our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. What a joy it is to be gathered with you in person and online. And with those of you who really, really wanted to be here, and even those of you who are kind of maybe guilted or dragged here, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, it is a joy and a delight to be here with you tonight. Welcome. I've noticed uh, this time around that people have seemed to go all out again in decorating their yard. Even with the freeze, there's more decoration, I think, than last year. Personally, I am usually drawn to more traditional Christmas decorations, nativities at creches, or greenery. I love the garland over the um, altar and, and poinsettias, simple and elegant, like our lovely church tonight. Yet this year, I... I do find that I'm really appreciating the non-traditional decorations. You know, like the inflatable Christmas llamas and, and the Christmas unicorns. I, the bigger the better. Even the, even the big Santa Chihuahuas. I just, they're, they're goofy and, and, and they're just cheerful. And after all that we've been through, I think some goofiness is, is, is all right, and it brings a smile to my face. Believe it or not, I saw a picture from the actual Bethlehem in Palestine, and there's even a giant inflatable Santa over there. With all, and with all that they've got going on, I think maybe um, a little cheerful goofiness is also... Um, well received in all the serenity and all the seriousness. I'm glad to see signs of humor, signs of cheer, signs of life, even signs of delight. I have to admit though that one neighbor really shocked me when she sent out a plea to our block, you know, the neighborhood block text, our group text that said, could one of you help me out? So I thought she really needed something serious. She says, I've already left for the airport and some authentic flying reindeer droppings were just delivered to my house. My son, and I've changed his name to protect the innocent, my son John gets this every year. It just needs to put in the house. You know, you plant it you plant the dry reindeer, the authentic reindeer droppings, and sunflowers grow out of them. So, symbolic, I guess. I don't know. I just never, I think every time I think I've heard it all, there's something else out there. And to be fair, Jesus was born in a manger with live animals. So maybe they are traditional. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, whoever did that. <laughs> so Episcopal Bishop Jake Owensby wrote about Christmas, about the nativity, about the manger, that love is a holy mess 
And I, I, just, I just love the essay that he wrote about that, so I'm borrowing from it this year. He explains, God sent us into this messy world to connect, to have the courage and the grace to keep loving in the face of uncertainty. He continues, that is the message of the manger. God did not make us to be perfect. God made us to be holy, to live into his image. God is love, and so love is the point of human life. Jesus was born to remind us that love is the point of human life. And just in case you haven't noticed, love is messy. God didn't come to clean up the mess either. He came to be in it, to make it holy, to remind us that we would be all right, to remind us that we are holy sites of God's love, no matter how messy we might get. The manger tells us what God's loves look like. God reaches out to us to give us the love that we need to connect with us. God makes God's self human, born into the lovely mess of it all. God makes God's self vulnerable. And in the manger, Jesus reminds us with his baby self, his vulnerable self, his blessed self, that we belong to him because he wants it that way. Not for anything that we have done or haven't done. Not if we are enough or if we think we're not enough. Not about how many presents we get or don't get. God became one of us because we belong to God and God wants to love us. It's as simple as that. God wants to love us. And so God loves us first so that we can love, knowing ourselves as beloved. So Advent and Christmas scripture refer a lot to light and dark. Both darkness and light are part of the holy mess of love. And darkness was first. Light brought a new uh, dimension to what was, another perspective into what was, something new. Frederick Buechner wrote in his book, Whistling in the Dark, that the Old Testament begins with darkness, and the last of the Gospels ends with it. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, Genesis says. Darkness was where it all started. Before darkness, there had never been anything other than darkness. And at the end of John, the Gospel of John, the disciples go out fishing in the Sea of Galilee, and it is night, and they have no luck, and their nets were empty. And then they saw somebody standing on the beach, and at first they couldn't see who it was because it was dark. And it's Jesus. The darkness of Genesis is broken by God 
in great majesty, speaking the word of creation. Let there be light. That's all it took. The darkness of John is broken by the flicker of a charcoal fire in the sand, which Jesus has made. He cooked some fish on it for his old friend's breakfast. Beyond the horizon, there are the first pale traces of the sun getting ready to rise. In the middle of that sacred beginning and that sacred ending is Christmas. In the middle of creation and resurrection is Christmas, incarnation. Christ is born in the mingled and faint darkness and light of God's messy and magnificent love. Born as a babe who brings hope. Born a humble human being who draws shepherds and kings and angels and animals to worship him. The Advent litany of darkness and light prepares us for Christmas by having us pray the refrain, You are with us, O God, in darkness and in light. We are reminded that often the darkness is our friend. In the darkness of the womb, we have all been nurtured and protected. The Christ child was made ready for the journey to light. It is only in darkness that we can see the splendor of the universe, blankets of stars, the solitary glowing of distant planets. It is in the darkness, it is the darkness that allowed the Magi to find the star that guided them to where the Christ child lay. In the darkness that contains both our hopelessness and our expectancy, we watch for signs of God's love, of God's hope. We find it in the child born in the manger, the child we celebrate tonight, the child who was willing, risking everything to become one of us so that we may know that we have a Savior who knows our sorrow and our gladness intimately. We are not alone. There are still people out in the cold, waiting in line at the border, suffering trauma, shelter, sheltering in ruins from the bombs, in Ukraine, and we can add a long list. And yet, and yet, there are also people searching for those in the cold with sleeping bags, warm hats, and rides to shelters if they want them. There are folks in El Paso filling their cars with food, early Christmas tamales, and driving to the lines to feed and warm up those traumatized strangers in the shelter of their car while they wait and pray. 
There are aid workers doing whatever they can, whenever they can, with whatever they can in war zones to alleviate the suffering. And there are people gathered in churches all over the world tonight to be reminded of the incarnate love of God so that we can go out and in both darkness and light proclaim the God who is with us, the Jesus who saves. These are signs of incarnate hope, of love made flesh, warm, vulnerable in human history. So my friends, the message of this holy story is clear. Whatever manger you find yourself sheltering in like the small holy family, whatever ho-hum, long, uncomfortable night on the late shift you have to slog through like the shepherds, no matter what comfort and status you have secured for yourself like the Magi, God has messy love and joy and peace in store for you. More than you can imagine now, but go ahead and try to imagine it and be comforted and energized and galvanized to have your hope restored. With your hope restored, we can become a people zealous for good deeds, as Titus puts it. So, the church likes to say that we are an Easter people, but we are a Christmas people first. We are an Easter people, and by that I mean that we believe that God saves through the power of God's love that overcomes and transforms evil and liberates us from sin. But before we could be an Easter people, we were a people of the Incarnation. And we have been reminded tonight that we are worth saving, worth all the trouble that God goes through to call us back to God's self over and over again in creation, in communion, and in renewing life. A people Christ was born to set free and will again tonight if you let him. So come all ye faithful, come let us adore him. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh come let us adore him, Christ our Lord. Amen.